everybody. I, sorry, you know, I've, I've, I've got this get up on, okay, and uh, I, I'm helping with the baseball team here in Saline every once in a while. I mean, after nearly 30 years of coaching at, at Washita Christian, they, uh, we moved to Saline now, and every once in a while I'll, I'll go out and help them and uh, did that, just got through doing that this evening. And so I hope you don't mind the, the costume, okay? Uh, I've lived in, in stuff like this for most of my life, so it feels pretty natural. It's good to see you. Glad you're here. And I, I want to emphasize that. I am really grateful that uh, you folks have, have taken the time. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm starting this timer. Have taken the time to be a part of this. It means a lot to me. And the comments I get and the encouragement. And I just, I just want this to be an encouragement for you. I want it to be something that uh, helps you learn to know him better, getting to know him, right? And so I'm hoping that that does that for you. Now, we're down to, whew, we're getting close to the culmination of all this stuff, okay? And where we left off last time, <clears throat> well, I had thrown out this, this idea of what about Judas, okay? Because let's, let's face it, I mean, Judas, yeah, he betrayed Jesus, sold him out. But if you're if you're familiar with the account, when he sees what's happening to him, he's he, oh he hates it. He goes back and he throws the money back in the temple, and 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 unfortunately, he makes a bad decision. Okay, and he takes his own life. I mean, he's so upset. And so you know what what about this with Judas? Now let let's clarify something right up front. Now, I'm speaking to you on what's my opinion, okay? And it's contrary to what I was taught growing up. Growing up, I was taught that if someone takes their own life, that's an automatic hell. That's automatic condemnation, okay? I don't believe that's true anymore. Let me, let me share with you why. Because what I was taught growing up was actually incorrect. And that is, when, we, when you become a Christian, when a person gives their life to Christ, they're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I was taught, you ready? Growing up, I was taught that's all well and good until you sin again and you, then you're lost again. And you have to ask for forgiveness to be saved again. Well, you know what? If that were true, it's absolutely not true, but if that were true, then I can understand the teaching of if someone takes their own life, they're automatically lost. Because they did, there's no chance of asking for forgiveness for that, for that act, you see? So I understand where that came from. But it is totally unbiblical. And I cannot stress this enough. Because what the Bible teaches, this is 1 John chapter 1, this is Romans chapter 8. What the Bible teaches is when we give our lives to Christ, we, we, we are, we're covered in his blood and we're forgiven. That forgiveness is perpetual. It continues. It keeps on cleansing. That's 1 John 1. Look, read verses 7 through 9. It, it is a continual cleansing. Paul in Romans 8 says... Uh, therefore, since we have now, therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. And he explains why. 
Because in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law that says when you sin, you die. I've been free from that law. Praise God. If not, there is no assurance in that type of teaching. So, I believe we're continually cleansed. If we're in Christ, then uh, that goes on perpetually. Okay? So, so let me clarify that right up front. I don't believe... We can't, we can't know what's going on in the minds of someone that finds himself to, to that particular degree and that particular point. By the way, never, it is never the right choice. You understand? Suicide is never the right choice. I cannot emphasize that enough. So now we've got Judas. I'm not... I just want us to think about it because it comes up. The question comes up a lot. What happened to Judas? Well, putting that suicide issue out of the way, you know, he was sorry. I mean, wow. I mean, yeah, he betrayed Jesus, but he was really sorry. And so some will say, well, I I believe that that he repented and and he's he's saved. Well, first, let's clarify this. It's not our call, right? We don't get to determine that. (laughs) <laughs> about about him. But you know what? God does, and I think he makes it really clear. Okay? Now, the first part of that clarifying comes as Jesus and his disciples are sitting around celebrating the Passover feast. They've gone to the upper room, the Lord's Supper, the communion, it's coming. Not there yet. So they're sitting around, probably it says, I think, lying around this, this gathering table. And they're enjoying this feast. And then look what Jesus says. This is Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Verse 21. And while they were eating, he, he, Jesus, he said... I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Sorry. Woo. That's tough. That's tough. Boy, he just lays it out there. He doesn't say who. He just says one of you. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. We'll come back to that, but continue. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. You ready? But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Now, did you hear that? That's really bad. For Jesus to say, it would be better for him. Now, he's talking about the betrayer. He's talking about the one who would betray him. We know that as Judas. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Mm. That's, That's pretty convincing, but I don't have to just go on that, okay? Hold your finger there. We're coming right back and go to John chapter 17. 
John 17. This is a really unique chapter because this whole chapter is a portion, it's a part of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he dies. Okay, if you've got a red letter edition Bible, what do you notice about chapter 17? After the very first verse says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. And the whole rest of the chapter is read. This is him praying, part of his prayer, the night before he died. Now, in the verses, starting in, oh boy, starting in verse, I apologize, you keep, I keep, you think I would fix this. Especially in the red letters. They're so hard to see the numbers. Okay, it's verse 6. I got it. I got it. We're good. We're good. Starting in verse 6, he's going to pray specifically for his 12. Well, at this time, for the 11 at least. Okay, he's praying specifically for them in this, this mission they're called to. And look what he says. In verse 17. You ready? While I was with them, that's his chosen group. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Doomed to destruction. Guys, Judas didn't make it, okay? Judas didn't make it. And the why of that, look, that's because something going on in Judas's heart. That's something the Lord's well aware of that we don't really know exactly. But you know what? God doesn't make mistakes on stuff like that. He just doesn't. He does it right every single time. And so I hate that for Judas, but brought it on himself. However, that worked out. The Lord is the one who said he was doomed to destruction. So get that, get that out of the way and let's press on. So they're sitting around or lying around this table. They're celebrating the Passover, y'all. This is a big celebration. So they're eating and drinking and Jesus tells them one of these is going to betray me. They're, Surely not I. Surely not I. Now watch this. Judas, I mean Judas knows he's already made the deal. But he's got to act like everybody else. So, look at verse 27. Then Judas, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. I don't think he said that loud where everybody could hear it. I think he said it to him off to the side. Uh, Surely not I, Rabbi. I'll show you why I believe that. Jesus answered, yes, it is you. Now you think about it. Here he is in this room with the twelve. He's told them one of them is going to betray him. If Judas had stood up in front of everybody and said, surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said, yes, it is you. Where everybody could hear that? You think those disciples would have let Judas out of that room? (laughs) Ain't no way. Had, Jesus would have had to have intervened. Okay? But let me show you why, why I believe that's true. And we've got to go to John's account. 
to see why. Okay? So go to John 13. John 13. Same scene. Okay? Look at verse 21. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. There we go. There's some more. Troubled in spirit. And testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. There it is. Oh, Now we know that they're going around the room. Surely not I, Rabbi. Surely not I. Look at verse 22. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. Now watch this. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I thought he loved them all. I thought he loves all of us. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure that's John. Okay. And they were very close. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Him, Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. You see that? He didn't say that out loud. He could ask Jesus that. This is quiet. This is He motions to John. Peter motions to John. Ask him. Ask him which one he means. Verse 25. Leaning back against Jesus, he, John, he asked him, Lord, who is it? This is all between him, John and Jesus. Who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. The rest of the crew weren't in on this, y'all. No, sir, this was private. He said, It was the one that I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Look at the next phrase, the next sentence. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Don't don't I mean, don't throw your brains out with the wash there. It's not like, oh my word, Judas just got possessed by a demon. Satan possessed Judas and he went. No, 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 no. Judas is already playing this. Is that this all that? Let me tell you. Y'all, anytime we do something, especially when we plan something to do something wrong. And we do it. It's Satan working through us. Okay, don't, don't, don't go crazy about that. He hands that piece of bread to Judas. And Jesus says, what you are about to do, do quickly. Jesus, Jesus told him, but no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. See, that is secret. Nobody understood it. He said, what you do, do quickly. That was all in private. And Judas leaves. All right? Now go back to Matthew 26. I absolutely love this text. Because Jesus is about to change things. Jesus changes things. And he's about to change things. What has once been the celebration of the Passover, oh, he's going to make something that's going to be so far greater in meaning. Uh, he's going to give to him here on this particular evening. Okay? Look at verse 22. 
28. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Oh, by the way, I used to use this passage. This is, this is a joke. I mean, this is out of context, okay? But I used to use it for people that would get on to me or get on to somebody if, if they started eating a meal before they prayed. You know, they were waiting for everybody to come sit down, but they already started eating. People would get on to, hey, hey, we haven't, we haven't said a prayer over that yet. Well, Matthew 26, verse 27 or 28 says, no, no, I'm sorry, 26, we'll find it. Matthew 26, 26 says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks. <gasps> no, total misuse. This is because he's doing something. Okay, you can laugh. This is because he's doing something different. Okay? Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. See, things, things are going to be different now. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Oh, it's different now. You know what? You were celebrating the Passover. That was a great event for Israel. But now, this is something more special. This is, this bread is my... It represents my body. This fruit of the vine, this wine, this represents my, my blood poured out in the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. This is a big deal, y'all. A couple of things I, I want to make a point. All right? Notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't do this. Hey, guys, you're eating that, but wait. Wait. Now take some of this. This is holy bread. He didn't do that. Same bread they've been eating. It's unleavened bread. That's what they ate for the Passover. Oh, and by the way, unleavened bread doesn't have to taste lousy. I worked at a church in Texas, south of Fort Worth, about 35 miles. One of the elders' wives made all of the unleavened bread for their communion services. She made it every week. It was delicious. Sometimes you had to concentrate really hard because it tasted really good. But that, it doesn't have to taste bad. I'm just saying that that was free. Same bread they'd been eating. It wasn't anything special. Same way with the wine, the fruit of the vine. It's the same thing. But now he's going to take it and they're going to think something. This is going to represent something special, something different. When I was a kid, to show you how it's possible to develop certain ways of thinking, when I was a kid, I uh, <laughs> I was at church. Now, this was before we moved to Uvalde. We lived in Houston when I was a small child. I grew up in Uvalde, but I was a small child in Houston. And I was about five, five at the time of this happened. Went to a big, big church. And me and two of my friends were, were running around after church. This is on a Sunday night. And we're running around doing stuff we probably shouldn't have been doing anyway. And we got back into the classroom section of the building and going into rooms and just snooping around. We go into this one room 
And we went in and closed the door and stopped. Nobody said a word. And before us were three tall stacks of the communion trays that hold the juice. Three big, big, tall stacks, one on top of another. And we're sitting there looking at it. And we walked over to, to them. And there was something we all noticed about them. They had a bunch of them that hadn't been drunk yet. And we're just looking. We're just looking. We look at each other. Look back. Look at each other. And then we start, we tear into them. <laughs> we're knocking down those little that little cups of juice, you know, we finish that tray, we boog off, ah, there's more in the next one. Hey, ah, and we're hitting those. Well, in the middle of this, I get a little carried away. I, I can do that. I guess I always have. <clears throat> I get a little carried away. And I spill some grape juice on my shirt. Now, my shirt, that is my white button-up collared shirt, my go-to-church shirt with my black slacks and black patent leather shoes. And I spill a glob of grape juice on my white shirt. I panic. I run out, and I start trying to wash it off in the bathroom. When I can't get it out. Oh, no. I'm thinking, oh, no. I'm thinking, I don't want to tell you exactly what I'm thinking, but I'm thinking pretty much I'm going to go to hell for, for dipping into the holy juice. And so I, I can't get it off. Great juice not coming out of that shirt. So I leave out of the bathroom. It looks like I'm saying the Pledge of Allegiance walking around. I get back to, to where my folks are. And, and that night, that's a Sunday night, we're going over to some people's house after church for fellowship. We did that nearly every week. And the kids always gathered in the back room. So I'm thinking, if I can get through the main part of the house, past the kitchen where I knew my mother would be, if I can get to the back room back there and it can buy me some time. You know, I don't know what I was going to do. But, so <clears throat> we get to the house and I'm looking, I'm watching, and I see my mother in the kitchen. I've got to get to this hallway right there in front of me to get to the back. And so I, I walk in real fast. I take off one, and right before I make it to the hallway, my mother, Tommy, and I turn away like this. Uh-huh. She goes, come here a minute. So I walk over to her, and I'm looking at her. I'm five years old. I'm looking at her like this. She goes, she goes, what are you doing? I was going back into the back with everybody else. She goes, I'm talking about your hand. What are you doing with your hand? I went, nothing. Tommy, what are you doing? Nothing. She goes, what's wrong with your shirt? She knows. What's wrong with your shirt? Nothing. She goes, move your hand. I don't want to. Move your I don't want to. She grabbed my hand. I'm wrestling with my mother. Okay. I'm going, no. She goes, what? No, no, no. She pulls my hand away. There's it. I just went, ah, 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 ah. I just started crying. She goes, what is that on your head? I don't want to tell you. What is that? It's the Holy Jews. And so, I mean, I am just freaking out. I don't know how my mother did not keep from cracking up laughing. Okay. Now, I know that was the understanding of a child. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get a little too carried away with the elements themselves and, and not put enough emphasis <clears throat> on what they represent. This is the death. His body hung on the cross. His blood shed for you and me. That's right. He did that for you. It's a big deal. So he shares this 
with his disciples for the very first time. And we're still doing it today. Isn't that awesome? Verse 30, when they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Oh, here we go. The Garden of Gethsemane is out there at the Mount of Olives. That's where he's headed. Okay? Then Jesus told him, this is verse 31, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. They still don't get that. They don't understand that. Look at Peter. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never... Oh, he loves that word. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And I believe he meant it. Yes, I did. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. I think that was hard for Jesus to say. But Peter declared, even if, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. That's hard for Jesus because he knows what Peter's going to do. I believe Peter and the rest of the disciples, I mean, the, the other ten, now that there's just eleven, Judas left, I think they really believed that, that they would not desert him. They would never fall away. I think they believed it. I just think we're weak, folks. I think they meant it. Watch as this, this mental state builds and builds. Jesus knows what's coming the next day. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along. Those were his closest friends. It's okay for him to have closer friends. He took them along with him. And he, now watch. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Y'all, this is reaching great limits of mental and emotional struggle. He's having a very... Very difficult time. Verse verse 38. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Now here's the famous part that we know. He fell, Oh, by the way, he didn't stand there with his arms extended to the heavens to pray. He wasn't on his knees with his hands clasped to pray. He fell with his face to the ground. He's not in a good place. 
having a really, really hard time. So much so, this is what he says. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Let this cup be taken. If we can do this in a different way, let's do it. Guys, you understand. They planned all this before the world was ever created. And now his humanity is faced with it. It's about to come down. And guys, he's scared. And he's mentally in anguish. Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. But ultimately, you see, not, not my will. That's my will that we do something different. But you know what? I'll go with yours, whatever it is. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. You, you think that didn't hurt? You think it's just, it's not just one more thing piling up in his mind? They're they're asleep. Look what he says. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. My spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Did you hear that? I believe what he's saying is. My, my spirit is willing. I, I know what I want, to, what I need to do. But my flesh, my body saying no. He's saying no. He's struggling with this. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. I'm in. He's in. He said, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in. Your will, not mine. Let's do it. Verse 43. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Oh, that cut. That cut him again. Now, look, I, I'll be honest with you. I hate that for Jesus, but I got to have a little sympathy on the disciples. Okay, this idea of them of them going to sleep. Uh, oh man! Okay, I tell you what. I tell you what. We're we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna stop right there, okay, and we're gonna come back with this issue. Of, of them uh, of them sleeping okay so uh, hang on to your hat and we'll jump right back in like I typically do and we'll we'll pick right up where we left off I'll probably have the same thing on because actually I'm just gonna keep going with the recording okay but but you don't know that you don't know that as far as you're concerned it'll be next week okay so don't forget where we are I won't don't you forget guys thanks for being here and I hope you have a, a, an amazing, amazing week as you, as you live your life for the gospel of Jesus. Good night.